Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Once again, Happy New Year to you, our second podcast of 2020. Well, here at Grace Point Daily Podcast, we exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. So like, share, subscribe to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can find the podcast, check out the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Also, if you listen to us on the Anchor, you can find that there is this support button. Smash that, and you can support the podcast. It really helps us out. And finally, send us a message. Check us out on Facebook, all those kind of things. We want to connect with you guys this year in in a more close and intimate way. We we really want to be a part of your lives. So here we go. Today, I'm going to give you a test. Are you ready for this? And this is just a little bit of fun. This is a fun one because I had one of uh, the people in my church or a parishioner, if you will, give me this test. And it's really funny. I don't know if this would fly today in 2020 in church, but the pastor, this was like years ago, it's like a typed on a typewriter page, and he gave a test out to everyone into the in the church. And so you had to answer all these questions and you had to score yourself from one to a 10 and then see where you scored yourself at the end of the test. So I'm going to give you that test right now. Are you ready for, this is like the Christian test to figure out how good of a Christian you are. All right, ready for it? And then I'm going to give you some scriptures, but it's really kind of fun to see where you would score at this test. It's going to be 10 questions. Ready? Here you go. You got to rate yourself from one to 10 and we'll see what kind of Christian you are at the end of the test. Question number one, I attend at least 80% of the four main services at first. It's called first assembly of God back in the day. These are number one, Sunday school, number two, morning worship, number three, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Okay. So I attend at least 80% of these one to 10. What's your score? This individual, I will not, I will let him remain nameless. It is a male. Uh, he scored a 10. Well, good, good job for attending all the time. All right. Number two, I am all, almost always on time to these services. All right. I think this is where everyone's going to start getting really convicted right now, right? For all of you that are late to church. I'll, I, I see you. One of the funny things I always say as a pastor is like, as I'm on the stage, you're like, I see you, right? I see your face. I see when you're not paying attention. I see when you're texting. I see when you're asleep. And and I definitely see, come on, dude, I see you when you come rolling in like 20 minutes late to church. Come on, get to church on time, could you? All right, anyway, uh, he scored a four. Uh-oh, so he's, 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 his Christianity is, is slipping here as we begin to take the test, all right? Number three, I attend 70% of the other activities of the church. These include dinners, ladies' groups, men's groups, fundraisers, etc. This individual scored himself a 10. All right. Number four, I welcome the move of the Holy Spirit and yield myself to him. Again, this person, wow, they're, they're coming back up. Bring the score back up. They got it. They scored themselves a 10. All right. Where are you at right now? Okay. Where are you at so far? Are you like 70%, 80%, 100%. Number five, I am not critical or judgmental of others. Ooh. Hopefully he had a little level of honesty here. Didn't rate himself a 10 and eight. Number six, if someone tells me something in confidence, I really can keep a secret. Ooh, that's a big one. Me as a pastor in church, gossipers, gossip. All right. This person scored themselves a 10. I hope they were being absolutely honest in that. Number seven, I consider myself very stable. I'm not a moody person. And uh, yes, I'm a pastor. I do experience drama in church at times, not like a drama drama. You know what I'm saying? All right. He gave himself a 10. All right. He's, he's doing really good here. I would, for, I would be forgiving and Christ-like to others, no matter what they do to me. 
Ooh, that's a hard one, but this individual scores themselves a 10. Number nine. Okay, here comes a sensitive one again. I give a minimum of 10% of my income to the work of the Lord. 10. Hopefully you all score 10 on that one, right? And finally, here's the last one. I never lose my temper at things, people, especially my family, and I certainly would never yell at anyone. <laughs> all right, again, hopefully this. Uh, there's a scribble, scribble, then a four, scribble. <laughs> all right, so this person, they gave themselves an 86 at the end of the test, so they're like a really good Christian. Okay, what kind of Christian are you? But isn't it funny, this pastor, he, um, I, not funny, I guess he did it really with a great heart and spirit. I, I just don't think uh, people today would be very receiving if I handed this out on Sunday and say, all right, everybody, you're all getting a test today because I want to see what kind of Christians you guys really are. And you're going to rate yourself one to 10 through these questions. And then you got to submit them back to good old Pastor Jeremiah and I'll see what your score is. All right. So at the bottom said, give yourself 10 points for each perfect score. Uh, if you are close on something, award yourself the number of points you feel you deserve. So there you go. As this was, I'm sure, given in a great heart and a great spirit, I want you to think about what kind of Christian are you? <laughs> How'd you do on the test? As you enter in 2020, follower of Jesus Christ, where are you at right now? Where are you at in your walk with Christ and all those kind of things? And it's important. And I want to just read a few different scriptures. I'm not going to just go attack every single one, but I want to encourage you again with some scripture. I think some of these you have heard before, but let me just read them to you today as you enter and embark on a new year. I, I just believe God's got great things for, for me, for you, for us. So let's get after it. Here's the first one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. I've been getting into the expanded Bible lately. Well, this says this, let us think about each other and help each other or how to provoke, rouse, encourage each other to show love and good deeds. I know a lot of the beginning of new year is thought about how I can improve, but let me ask you this. Have you thought about how you can help other people, how you are going to help, how we're going to help each other in our walk with the Lord and our relationship with Christ? Have you thought about how you are going to provoke, rouse, and encourage another person, someone at your church in your sphere of influence, a follower of Christ? Have you thought about, man, you know, this year, this is something I could do to help someone in their walk with the Lord. And in doing that, you know what's going to happen? It'll probably help you in your walk with the Lord. All right, going on in verse 25, you should not stay away from neglect, forsake the church meetings, meeting together as some are doing. Some are abandoning Christianity and returning to Judaism. But you should encourage each other to stay faithful to Christ and to other believers, and even more so as you see the day coming, the day of the Lord when Christ will return. All right, I, in full disclosure on the show, I am a pastor, right? So I want people to come to church. I would prefer that on, well, if I gave you the test and I said, how many times do you go to church? Sunday school, small groups, life groups, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever it might be. Man, I wish everyone was a 10. I, I totally do. I wish everyone was a 10 and they always went to church, but I am seeing that that is not a reality. And I'm seeing that it's becoming an unhealthy reality for the lives of many people. Okay, does church save you? Does church make you an amazing Yes, it does. But here's what I'm trying to say. I think we have devalued the role and the importance of church. It's so important, man. Uh, first of all, we need to, we're, we're there because we need it, right? In our own life, in our own individual life, we need the teaching, we need the word of God, we need worship. 
Secondly, as we read this scripture, we need it because we are supposed to be pouring into others on a regular basis. Church is not about you. You're going there because there's a purpose that God has for you to pour into the hearts and lives of other people. And I can't say it enough. The the, The people that I see as a pastor that are most consistent in church are most consistent in their walk with the Lord. People who I see that are, the, are inconsistent in their church attendance are typically people that are very inconsistent in their walk with the Lord. Listen, I'm just telling you, it's good. It's, it, it can't hurt you. It's only going to help you when you have church as a regular part, a regular discipline in your life. Now, I'm not super old school, man. I mean, I got saved in the late 90s going into 2000, but poor, fortunately, I got discipled, I guess, by people who taught me that I should go to church and I should be in church. And I really value that today. Obviously I work for the church and now it's part of my job and I get paid to do that. So I don't wake up on Sunday morning and be like, Oh bro, I just, I'm not really feeling it today. Um, I don't have those thoughts because I have to do it as part of my job (laughs) or I won't get paid. All right. And everyone will wonder where I'm at. And then they'll be like, Oh, he's in Branson again. Anyway, side joke. Anyway, Uh, I I do it because I have to, but I do it because I started out making that a regular discipline in my life as a follower of Christ. And it has only benefited me and it's only helped me. Like for example, in my church, I have some people in the church that I attend, the local church that have been Christians for like 60, 70, 80 years. I mean, they're up there in years and they're like the most amazing, admirable, like superhero Christians I've ever met before. And they're consistent, man. Every time the doors are open, they're there. Every time we got something going, special event, they are there. They're, it's amazing. And they have just learned that value and that discipline and the importance of going to church and making being a part of the body of Christ a regular part of their life. So I don't know. I've had people, I listen, I've had all the arguments before. Uh, I haven't heard the term for a little while now, but there's like the done generation a few years back. Like I'm done going to church. I'm done with the religion. It's just unhealthy. The scripture tells us, and we see it from New Testament church, Old Testament church, whatever, that, that the people of God have always gathered together to worship and to hear the word of God and to be encouraged. And so just do that. Come on, guys. I mean, a podcast is not good enough. You know, a online sermon is not good enough. Um, I love all those tools. I love YouTube. I love all these things. I hope you listen to this podcast, but you need, if you're going to pass the test of Christianity, I believe according to God's scripture, you need to make gathering together a real important part of your life, a consistent discipline in your life. Here's the next scripture. I'm just reading scripture. I hope these encourage you. Uh, I'm going to read the same passage now out of the message. It says, so, so let's do it. Nike, right? Uh, Full of belief, confident that we're presentable and inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Uh, The one thing that I, as I was reading through different versions that I really like is talking about this. Let's see how inventive, let's see how creative we can be when we gather together. Let's have fun together. Let's make church like not just, let's not make it religious. Let's make it fun. Let's make it inventive. Could I challenge you in your church and your ministry and your life to to do something different, to, to make church inventive and fun and creative in an environment where people want to go to, uh, at least attempting to do that. You know, some people I know are not going to go regardless, 
But as a pastor, be like, let's have fun. Let's let's worship the Lord. Let's let's make church a great place to be where we want to gather. And we saw that again. We see that in the New Testament, the first church in the book of Acts. Like they enjoyed being together. They enjoyed church. It was like, and I have that. I really do. I, I in in my life, I'd give myself a ten on that part of the test because I love the church, man. And and I just over and over again, I pray because I see how inconsistent people. And and I understand jobs, things that are going on. But I see a lot of reasons. And I see a lot of people that could be gathering with the body a lot more. And I'm not sure that <laughs> the the excuses or things going on in life, they could make that happen if they wanted to and they're not. So there you go. The scripture says it. Just do it. It's an amazing discipline. Talk to anyone who has served Jesus for a long period of time. And they will tell you, man, that has been such a foundational portion of my life. All right. I'll, I'll stop on that part of the test, but I do think it's important. Okay. Here's the next one uh, about the Holy Spirit. Like that test said, how how big is the Holy Spirit? in your life. And so I want to read a scripture from John 14, verses 25 to 27. This one's going to be out of the message. It says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you used to, you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. So here's what I need. I need myself is in 2020, every day, I've needed it every year that I'm going to follow Jesus, but I need help. I need help to live for Jesus. And this is the one of the beautiful things that Jesus did for us. He said, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm, I'm going to, you're going to have a friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father is going to send you at my request. Okay, we're living in the social media. Let me be corny. Corny illustration for just a second. We're living in we're living in the social media generation, and right now I primarily use Facebook because that's who everyone and primarily my sphere of influence for the most part. Everyone has a connection with Facebook, and what happens on Facebook is that you get a friend request, right? Uh, you know, will you be my friend? And when you say yes to that, then as you say yes to that friend request, they now have access to your photos to your Facebook page, they can see your news feed, your feed, your pictures, what's going on in your life, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, imagine this for a second. Jesus has, and the Holy Spirit has essentially sent a friend request to us and asking us if we will let the Holy Spirit come into our life, in every part of our life, with the purpose of helping us. So I want to ask, I want you to, a regular part of your life, you need to ask the helper, the friend, the Holy Spirit to empower you and to help you live for Jesus. Uh, where are you at on that portion of the test? Is the Holy Spirit moving? Is the Holy Spirit active in your life? Have you responded to that friend request so far? What's your score? Okay. <laughs> Next one. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 out of the expanded Bible says, remember this. And this is in terms of giving. All right. Here's another sensitive one I've had interactions with and specifically had interactions not too long ago with a person regarding tithing and giving money to the church. And to be right up front, right out the gate, here's what I do. I tithe. I give 10% of my income now 
full disclosure, once again, I'm a minister with an organization called the Assemblies of God. I have credentials. I'm an ordained minister with them. They're not the end all. They're not the, the be all. This is not an Assemblies of God podcast. Uh, this is completely different, but that's who in terms of practical application on a daily basis, I have a credential with. Well, I send my ties to them willingly and I kind of have to too. But anyway, I give 10%. And then on top of that, my family, we give above and beyond and we give additional offerings every paycheck to missionaries. And we have a couple orphans that we support in Africa and save up for missions and do all this other kind of stuff. So I don't know the exact percentage of money that I give to Jesus, but it's over 10%. And for sure I give 10%. So in terms of the Christianity test, the test, right? One through 10, how are, are, are you scoring well in that? Are you given to the Lord? Is that a part of your life? Because here's what the Bible says, you know, putting, because a lot of people like, well, Old Testament, that's, or tithing's Old Testament, not New Testament. But the Bible, I don't know, in the context of what I read on the Bible, is 10% should probably be the baseline or the minimum of what we should be giving as followers of Jesus. And if we're real radical followers of Jesus and we've read the Bible, uh, probably 10% probably isn't enough. But let me just read this passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Remember this, the person who plants a little sows sparingly will harvest it will have a small harvest also reap sparingly but the person who plants a lot sows generously bountifully will have a big harvest also reap generous bountifully each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give you should not be sad when you give or reluct give reluctantly and you should not give because you feel forced to give out of compulsion for God loves the person who gives happily, cheerfully, and God can give you more blessings than you need. Overflow abound all grace to you. Then you'll always have a plenty. You'll have plenty of everything and all things at all times. You will have all you need, enough to get to uh, abounding, overflowing in every good work. That's the expanded Bible. So it gives you like all these the full expression of the words, right? So here I'm going to give you an example. There's an uh, I won't use his name, but there's a guy in our church. I'll just use his name. I don't. He doesn't. I don't even think he listens to podcasts. And maybe some of his children do, or grandchildren. But I have a guy in our church named Pastor Ron Blavelt, and he has been a pastor forever, and he's a rancher, and he's been married for over six years, and he serves the Lord, and he is like a tremendous blessing in our church. And I see him every single Sunday, whether he knows that I've seen him do this or not. But I see him walk in. We're, we're doing worship practice. I see him sit down. And I think he's kind of looking at the bulletin and doing some other things, saying a prayer, something like that. But the one thing I see him do every single Sunday is I see him pull out the checkbook, get the pen, and he begins to write his check. And I don't look, I don't know what amount it is. I don't know how much he makes. But the only thing that I know is that you can see that that is a very important thing to him. And let me tell you something. He serves the Lord. His children serve the Lord. His grandchildren serve the Lord. He is a blessed man. So all I can do is see this model of an amazing man of God, and I can see one important discipline and factor in this guy's life and that I see he's always given to the Lord. I see when we have special speakers, I see him do the same thing. I see him oh, write the check. I've seen him before. I've, I've heard him ask me before. He said, hey, are we having a uh, guest missionary? Because I really want to make sure that I have written out a check before they come. I'm like, whoa, this dude, like, he's a giver. He understands that. It's a priority for him. And here's what the Bible says. When you're generous, when it's a priority, when you do it at every chance that you can, you will be a blessed person. 
There you go. I'll leave that between you and the Lord. I, you know, I don't need to see your test. You don't have to show me your score. Just, just think about it, right? Okay. Here's the last one. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, out of the expanded Bible. The unity, it's titled the unity of the body. Therefore, as a prisoner, for because I belong to or in the Lord, I urge you to live, walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received, to which you were called. Always be or be completely humble, gentle, and patient, accepting, putting up, bearing with each other in love. Make every effort to preserve the unity of provided by, available through the Spirit, and through the peace that joins us together, the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, and God called you to have one hope, one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one God and Father of everything. He rules everything and is ev- and is in ev- is everywhere and is in everything who is over all and through all and in all. So if I this Sunday at your church, or if you were at the church that I go to here in Southern Missouri, Grace Point, if I handed out the test, those 10 questions, what would you score? What would your test score be? What would your Christianity, what kind of Christian are you? Are you a good Christian? Anyway, the, the point isn't like who's a better Christian or not a good Christian, but just as, is God like the, is he the Lord? Is he the King? It's not about what score we're getting. It's about just simply that God has our everything. So there you go. Fun little idea. I don't think I'll be using that one. I don't, again, think that would probably flow well if I handed out a test this Sunday and say, okay, everyone, you need to do this test now and turn it into me. But good thoughts, lots of fun ebbs and flows throughout the life of the church. Anyway, just pass the test. Go after God completely. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.